You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Matthew Collar, Chris Long in for Mackie and Judd today. Uh, We talked a little bit of hockey earlier this morning. We're going to talk some more with uh, one of my favorite guys to listen to talk puck, Lou Nanny. Lou, how are you? Well, I'm very excited. Uh, My grandson Vinny got called up to the Rangers this morning, so he'll be playing in Detroit tomorrow night. You're breaking a little news for us here as well. Yeah. Congratulations. Congratulations. Tell us about his game. Well, he's... uh, been playing in Hartford, their top farm team, and he's leading the team in goal scoring. He's got uh, 12 goals and 11 assists, so he's played extremely well, both center and wing, and Chris Kreider, the right winger, got hurt last night in the game in New York against Washington. And, uh, you know, they are going to Detroit, and that that leaves them a man short, so they called Vinny up. Just to fill in the blank for people who aren't dyed-in-the-wool hockey people, Vinny Letary, former gopher, your grandson, that's who you're talking about. Uh, exactly. We've been watching him since he was over at Minnetonka. It's kind of fun always to hear these uh, when the local guys get to make their debut. I'm anchoring tonight. We'll certainly have to uh, make sure we roll on the game to see if he puts one in, Lou. Or that's yeah, tomorrow, tomorrow night. Game's tomorrow night. Tomorrow night in Detroit. I'll be working tomorrow night, too. So. All right. Good. Get, add that to it. Get that highlight when he gets his first. Uh, Lou, let me ask you about uh, where the Wilds stand. Big picture here. My take has kind of been, you know, this core of players, we've seen what they offer, and I'm not sure that they offer enough. And I don't think it's crazy to start looking around as we get toward the trade deadline and think about moves that might shape the future of that team. Is, is that a crazy thought on my part? No, it's not a crazy thought. It's a decision the organization has got to make, and it's something that uh, is always tough to do because <laughs> – when you say the the core is not enough, and if it's not enough, then you realize you you got to make some significant changes, and to do that means that you got to give up players to start building for the future because you're you're not going to be able to make trades with what you got to get you core players back that are going to be around for a long time. You know, and Lou, I look at some of the other teams that have made trades that seem to just have changed their franchise. I mean, uh, the, the Devils acquired Taylor Hall, and now they're at the top of their division. Um, even P.K. Subban going to Nashville. Those are teams that were kind of just hanging around for a long time and, and maybe not as relevant as they wanted to be. And then the, the big trade kind of jogged them. How hard is it, though, to make a hockey trade like that when you're an NHL GM? Well, it's really difficult in this day and age because of the salary cap and the things that happened. But uh, you know, you know, Taylor Hall wasn't Taylor Hall was there last year when they weren't all that great. They had to make some other additions, mm-hmm. and they did have the first pick in the draft, which really helped them at center ice. And then they made a big trade uh, with Anaheim to get some nice pieces there for Henry. And uh, Nashville was a really good hockey team, and, and just the Subban trade didn't change it. I mean. Their bigger trades were the one that got Johansson from Columbus and center ice, which they needed. And their biggest trade was getting Forsberg uh, just robbed Washington a couple of years ago, and he's developed into their best player. Oh, Martin Erath. The Martin Erath trade. Boy, one of the biggest robberies ever. Yeah, that really was. That was just – it was 
not a very good move by Washington, giving up on Forsberg in his first year. That's great. Caps fan sitting in this seat, Lou. <laughs> Matthew, thank you for bringing all that up. Uh, hey, has Alex Daylock earned uh, some extra time? I mean, Devin Dubnik is the number one goalie. He's cleared to play. He's going to be back. He's going to be the number one guy. But, you know, he saw so much ice time the last couple of years. But the way that Daylock has played the last few games, he has been good, maybe not great. But has he earned maybe a little more time than, than, than he might have gotten had he not had this chance to shine over the last couple of weeks? I don't think there's any question about that. He really has earned it. <laughs> time right now uh you know dubnik will come back and dubnik's gonna have to play like uh he's played in and the key times when he's played his best otherwise uh, stalek will be sharing that uh goal net with him not just for 25 games or 20 games he'll be playing more like 35 games or 40 games so you think that line may blur a little bit more even with the history and contracts and all that that if if it's your call it's it's closer to 50 50 well, you know, it's going to be closer to 50-50 if, if, uh, if Dubnik doesn't go on a run where he's not giving up a soft goal in the game, you know. And uh, Stalick has really played very well since he's come in here, and he's had a, a good run here. The losses they had weren't because of him. He's, he was uh, terrific in the games. Like you take that Tampa game, he was sensational. And, uh, you know, they, they easily could have tied that game or even won it later on, but... He had scored over right at the end, a wide open guy in front of the net. But he's been he's been that way since he's been in, in this uh, five six game streak, and and he's not going to give up the net easily. Which means when Dubnik is the number one, and when he comes back, he's going to have to play like the number one. Or Bruce would not have any problem going right back to Staylock. Matthew Collar, Chris Long, in for Mackey and Judd today. Lou Nanny joining us. Uh, Zach Parisi appears to be on the road to coming back. Where do you see him fitting in? It's it's not the same Zach Parisi, I'm sure, coming off surgery that we would have seen years ago, who you just slot right in at that uh, number one line and, and let him dominate. Where do you think uh, they should put him to get him back into the mix here? Well, it'll take him a few games to get back into kind of shape in game shape that he wants to be in but it's not going to take them long to slot him in uh you know in the first couple of lines the guy is he's got one thing going for him it doesn't matter who he is or what 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 the game is he never stops working his engine never stops going so that thing is not going to go away just because he's gotten a year older or he's had back surgery so that's going to be there and what's got to be there is he's got to get his hand skills back and and his uh, conditioning back, but uh, that's not going to take him too long because of his work ethic and the way he, he approaches it. I, w- I will say this, you know, you can't expect when you're getting to 31, 32 to be at the top of your game uh, goal-wise that you were when you were between 24 and 27. Mm-hmm. But I still think that he's capable of getting 10 goals the rest of the season. And, and you know, when you look at it, that's over, a little over a 20-goal pace. And so... I think, I mean, this kid, he's not going to have lost those skills that he had that were so good. Uh, he just might not be as sharp as maybe scoring a few goals that he did before, but he won't, he won't take a drastic cut. Lou, I think this team really needs Parisi back for a little bit of its its identity and its shortcomings. They're, they miss that. They miss a player who is an effort guy every single night because I go up and down this roster and Eric Stahl's a veteran. He is who he is on a nightly basis. And you would say the same thing for Ryan Suter, but there are a lot of guys. I feel like you, you go into a game, you have no idea what you're going to get from them on a nightly basis. And maybe Parisi helps set that standard for guys that you have to work every night. 
Well, he is definitely the leader in the club in doing that, and I don't question the fact that having him in the lineup makes other people better because uh, yeah, a guy sitting on the bench and just watches the way he approaches the game and how he works during the game has got to know that I can't go out there and not give that same kind of effort and uh, not uh, be singled out for for not applying myself the way Zach does. And so he is, it didn't matter what team he was on, he'd be missed because the guy is that kind of a competitor and, and you know, you could never have too many of them. For a little while last night, Bruce Boudreau put uh, Suter and Spurgeon back together. It's just so obvious that Ryan Suter is so comfortable when Jared Spurgeon's next to him. I, I, do you think that just that settles it, that they should just be a pairing again and that's it? Or is it a tough challenge when you say, all right, you guys are our two best defensemen. I don't want to put you out there on the ice at the same time because we want to spread you guys out so we're not as vulnerable elsewhere. What do you, how do you, what do, you do there? Well, uh, I'll tell you this. I don't, I don't put them together just because Suter's uh, comfortable. Suter plays uh, a very good game uh, no matter who he's playing with. And, and I don't, uh, you know, if I'm the coach, I don't cater to what the guys want. I, I do what I think is best for the team. And you have to remember one thing. Good players make the other players better. So you, you, don't, you don't say that, uh, you know, Spurgeon makes Suter better. Suter should be making everybody else better if he's your best defenseman. You know, you, you didn't have Semenko making Gretzky better. You had Gretzky making Semenko better. And I can go down the lineup for stars in the league at all times. Your stars are supposed to make the other guys better, not the other guys make the star better. Yeah, I wonder with um, Suter and kind of his skill set, if he's the type of guy that really does that as much as Spurgeon. Because Spurgeon carries the puck so beautifully sometimes. I, I feel like he's kind of a stir-the-drink guy that, that can drive possession and create plays where Suter these days in his career is protecting the net. He's, you know, he's making simple plays and things like that, but he isn't the type of guy that's driving play like a lot of the superstar defensemen do. Well, uh, you know, superstar defensemen could be offensive or could be defensive. Scott Stevens wasn't a buck carrier, and he was as good, good defensive as you have in the league. And, and that's the kind of style that Suter plays, and, yeah, you want to have an offensive defensive with him. Having said that, Dumba plays the same style of game as Spurgeon. He's not as consistent. And he makes maybe more egregious errors, but uh, Dumba is a puck-carrying defenseman. That's his strength, and he and he can certainly shoot it as well or better than anybody in the team. So uh, there are there are those kind of things that match up with Suter, regardless of which one of those two is playing with him. Yeah, every uh, offensive defenseman makes mistakes, but egregious errors perfectly describes <laughs> when Matt Dumba makes a mistake. Uh, Lou, before we let you go, what's been your favorite part of this first half of the uh, hockey season? I'll tell you mine. Las Vegas Golden Knights. I mean, they're the story of the year. It's, it's been so fun to watch a team of players that were either cap casualties or that people didn't want or were traded there so you wouldn't take another player. Kind of a bunch of guys that are disrespected in a way who have band together without a Sidney Crosby-level player to be really competitive there. Well, uh, they undoubtedly are the story of the year. They're leading their division. They, they got 50 points. Uh, you expected them to be a competitive team. And I don't say that, that people don't want. you got to remember, they were the 12th player of, of every team, which is uh, you know definitely in your lineup because you got 20 players in the lineup. So they were just, you might say, between the 10th and 12th player, that's almost like your mid-player in the team. This is by far and away the best expansion uh, opportunities a team has had coming into the league. No one's been able to protect this little amount of players and, and get uh, an expansion team out of it. So 
they they had some good choices, but it, I will say this: they made the the right choices. And those guys, I've been in in Vegas for a couple of games already. And when I saw them, I was at the opening night, and I did say one thing: you're going to find from this team, and it certainly mirrors their coach and their general manager, two guys who worked like hell when they played the game and were tough, aggressive, hard-nosed players, and never give you an inch. And that's been uh, George McPhee and Gerard Gallant. And uh, this team really uh, reminds you of those players. And and every night that you go to play against this team, you got your work cut off for you because you're not going to get anything easily. Man, with Gerard Gallant, it's like Flor- the Florida Panthers. Bad franchises stay bad mm-hmm. because of bad decisions like that. I, I kind of love that Gerard Gallant, as- what they did to him last year was an embarrassment for the Panthers and uh, sending, him- uh, sending him home in a taxi or whatever it was that they did. And for him to bounce back like this and lead a team that nobody expected to be there, I, I just think it's great that he's rubbing their nose in it. Well, so do I. He actually <clears throat> was fired not by the general manager, not by Talon, but by the owner. And I think because he uh, didn't want to go along with some of the analytics that the, that the owner wanted. And that was just a godly decision that was just proved to haunt the Panthers and certainly has been a big help to Vegas and definitely uh, – you're right when you say he is really grinding their nose in it right now. Yeah, and I think uh, just from my own standpoint of being an analytic lover, I think that they were misinterpreting some of the numbers that they were looking at and, and basing their analysis of Gallant on. But that, that's a longer conversation, Lou. I uh, appreciate you popping on. I, I hope you're having a good do you say had a good holiday, having a good holiday? I, d- I don't know which it goes. one. It's Christmas but, to New Year's. But, but I hope you're having a great time. Well, thank you. We are, and it's been uh, terrific and about to get better tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, a happy New Year, and uh, tell Vinny I say hi. Will do. Thanks, Chris. See you. All right. I hope he gets one tomorrow night. Th- thanks, thanks, Lou. Uh, good stuff there. Vinny's a great story because he was a real good player in high school, started slowly college, kind of came on and has blown up in really the last two years. And it's funny, he, he said – in an interview when he was with the Gophers, uh, he started scoring. Everybody kept saying, what's different? He said, uh, my grandfather's been yelling at me to just shoot. <laughs> and he started, and it worked. And now it's carried him to the National Hockey League. Uh, I think, uh, I don't know if you ever heard this quote. I think Wayne Gretzky had some quote about shooting the puck and missing 100% of Something the Something about shot. that. No, yeah. maybe. Sorry. I heard that one a couple of rinks over the years. Uh, Matthew Collar, Chris Long in for Mackie and Judd. Let's. Uh, I, yes, I have yes, a question sir. for yes, you. I, start, okay. I, I went down a statistical rabbit hole last night, and we are all in awe of the Viking defense. I have a question about their their how history will treat the Viking defense. All right. Sounds good. We'll be back. All right, Matthew Collar, Chris Long, I'm back here on 1500 ESPN in for Mackie and Judd. Courtney Cronin and I will be in uh, tomorrow. And we will have plenty of football. We're going to go hardcore football with that. Uh, I mean, that would make tomorrow. sense with the two of you. In yes, business. yes, it would. Also, and just allow me to plug the Purple Podcast, Courtney mm-hmm. and I will be recording an episode later this afternoon. I'm going to have to run out of here at 1130 to get out to Winter Park, see what's going on out there. But you had a question for me about the Vikings defense. Recency bias, of course, as always. That's what makes for great sports talk radio. Once the smoke clears. Actually, they said that in college. They were like, oh, just focus on recency bias. Whatever that's happened all, last night is, all the you most, have to do. is the most important if you thing. Ever get in trouble on the radio? No, that's not what they said. You just mean, you just mean what by that? All right. So, with one regular season game and who knows how many playoff games to go, where will, can we start talking about this Viking defense, this year's Vikings defense, as a top whatever? All time, no defense. 
Nope. Now, how far would I have to move that down? Can't. I don't think they're a top three. I don't think they're a top five. Top. I don't think they're the best in the NFL. I don't right think, now? I don't think they're the best this year. Yeah, I think the Jacksonville Jaguars had the best defense this year. And I will tell you, the uh, best stat in terms of predictive success for defense is adjusted net yards per attempt per pass attempt, which I know I know everyone just purposefully <laughs> crashed their car into a telephone pole at hearing that. Explain but that. Explain the stat. Still hurts. Yeah. Sorry, John. Just explain the Appreciate stat. That. Well, all it is, it's just yards per throw because running defenses, there's so little between a good and a bad mm-hmm. running defense. Now, maybe on the field on Sundays, you say, oh, well, they're running all over us and that's bad, or they can't run on us and that's good. But in terms of from statistically, historically, if you give up 4.1 yards per carry, you might rank 20th. And if you give up 3.7, you might rank first. And it's like, okay, well, that is not making a difference between your good and bad. But when you take the yards per pass attempt and you adjust it for sacks and interceptions, that's all that does. And you look historically at the best defenses ever, Jacksonville is ahead of the Vikings in that category. So they're shutting down, save for last week. Maybe it was because they already uh, got a playoff spot or whatever it might be. But last week they got ripped up a little bit. For the most part, I mean, they shut down Russell Wilson. They've been a great, great passing defense, and they're the best in the league there. And that's been predictive of how many wins you're going to have and how deep you go in the playoffs. So I'm too caught up in traditional stats. Points against, yards against. Well, and even among those things, they're number one in both of those, yards and points, and that means they're a great defense. But when you compare like a yards per play stat to what Denver did a couple years ago when they won with broken-ass Peyton Manning, (laughs) they were quite a bit better than this defense. And really, the Vikings defense, I I don't want to take anything away from them because they're stacked at every position. They're elite. And they have a coach who's built an entire career on defense. So they are great, and they can win for you. But in terms of historically comparing them to the Ravens that won with Trent Dilfer, comparing them to the recent, uh, even the one Seahawks team that beat Denver, and then the Denver team, uh, I don't think that they're quite on that level. And part of the reason their numbers are so good is, let's see, they destroyed Andy Dalton. They beat down Brett Hundley twice instead of facing Aaron Rodgers twice. For the most part, Rodgers threw four passes in the game. That might have changed things quite a bit. So I'm not I'm not like way down on this defense. I think that there's some luck involved there in who you faced uh, that you've really demolished the quarterbacks that you were supposed to demolish. Even Mitch Trubisky, he's playing his first game ever and you give up 128 yards to him. I mean, you you did a great job on defense, but that's kind of a nice break there. And I'm probably sleeping on Jacksonville because I haven't seen much of them. I've seen the stats. I've seen what they've done. I've seen and it's turn around. Yeah, and there hasn't been a reason to watch them for 20 years, but... Uh, uh, well, they're helped. They've got to be helped. I don't know their whole schedule. They've got they, that's just the NFL now. Yeah, they, they have to be helped by. And it's Jack- not that the Vikings played an unusually soft schedule, quarterback wise. Jacksonville got to face non-Andrew Luck Indianapolis twice, and, and that helps. If they had faced the Indianapolis twice with Andrew Luck, you probably give up 300 yards passing in both of those games. But uh, just from a historical standpoint, yeah, there's always going to be good and bad. And overall, the Vikings have had a tough schedule. I think for the whole season, the record of their opponents is is pretty good. But the quarterbacks and, haven't been murderers row. Yeah, then they beat 
I mean, they beat Jared Goff. He's having a great season. They held him to seven points. I'm not trying to take anything away from them. You go into whatever playoff game that you're going into feeling like, yeah, our defense is, especially if it's at home, we're going to be really good. And I was looking up some numbers on this. How big is home field advantage? So we never would think of this game week 17 as that big of a deal. Like, ah, it's the Bears. You should just beat them. They are at home field since U.S. Bank Stadium opened. They have a plus 119 point differential and are 11 and four. And if you, I, you can never take away games. But that game last year at the end of the year with Indianapolis was a crap show. If If not for that one, it would be they would look just unbeatable outside of the Detroit Lions at US Bank Stadium. When they're on the road, they're still good over the last two years, but their point differential is like plus eight. So this is becoming one of the toughest places to play. Now they've been you gotta have a good team in it, but right. it's becoming all right. So let me ask this then. So they get home field, assuming they take care of business against Chicago or back in. I shouldn't say back in because there's one remote scenario that fall drops them to three. So they're home field everywhere but Philly. They're obviously going to be favored against whoever it is, whether it's Rams, Panthers, Saints. I think anyone they play, if they I if they end up favored on the road at yeah. Philly, I think yeah. Okay, so Super Bowl with Nick Foles, unless Nick Foles goes nuts the week before, at, at very least that's a push. A Super Bowl at home, so factor in home field. Well, how does that work? Because home field advantage, part of that is the people that are going to be in there. It's not going to be mm-hmm. a. Now, it'll be Vikings heavy because a lot of people in this town will empty their 401ks to afford tickets <laughs> to the game that they won't if it's Rams Patriots. So it'll, but it won't be a true home game. So how will they be favored the rest of the season, no matter what? Uh, unless it's the Patriots. If they play the Patriots in the Super Bowl or even the Steelers beat them and they beat Case Keenum, it was his first start, but they beat him. Um, still. So, but factor in home field. Yeah, home field. Well, we were talking about this a little bit yesterday. I don't see it as home field advantage as annoying of a take. I know. I understand if you're listening to that take, you go, oh, my gosh, guys, stop it. What do you mean? But if you say, look, I know they're, they would be playing the Super Bowl in Minnesota, but it's not really home field advantage because the home field advantage is predicated on how freaking loud well, it is. that's gets. what I'm getting at. I don't it's think It's not have... going to be that loud. <sighs> It's not. I mean, I, somebody maybe it, it was, won't be 100% Viking fans, but will it be enough? I don't think so. Somebody told me, maybe it was Lou, about just how hard it is to get a Super Bowl ticket it's, for a Minnesota Viking fan. And even people who are selling them secondary market, like you said, you're going to have to sell your house. So uh, hopefully the, the rates don't go up on that. But, I mean, just think about how much it'll cost. And you would have fans who would travel, if they have that kind of disposable income, you would have fans at every Super Bowl who would travel. So it's not going to be that. I don't see it that it's that going to be that much difference. Like th- what I'm saying is if you can afford a $2,500 ticket, then you probably would have gone to the Vikings Super Bowl in New Orleans anyway because you just got cash coming out your ears and you can well, do that. But the difference there so is. So you'd be cheering for them then. But you don't have to worry about travel. You don't have to worry about hotels. I mean, if all you're buying are two unbelievably expensive tickets, I mean, you, if you're talking about hotel and flights with Super Bowl prices, you pretty much probably have to double it. I mean, yeah, it's going to cost you. 2500 But how loud does – how many people has to be in there? Although, and how many – Does it have to be to actually make a difference if you're playing Tom Brady? And I'll go one step further. Are the people who spend – can spend $2,500 $2, on a ticket, are those the guys that are going to wear 
the full Viking regalia and scream yeah. for 60 minutes. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I've I never really bought into that. If you're a richer guy, then you're not as crazy at a game. I mean, maybe less likely to get arrested. But, I, I mean, maybe not. I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe not because you think you because you got lawyers who can get you out of it. I don't know. I, I've never I've never equated. I, I hear you on that with like blue collar fan bases, yeah. but having been in a town that's always described as blue collar and is it really in Buffalo, that's a whole nother conversation, sure. but it's, it's a, not true anymore. I mean, all those factories left, yeah. uh, right? Those are those factories. They got blue collar fans in Mexico now because that's where those factories <laughs> right. are from Buffalo. Um, so it's really kind of a, more of a, a town that has some money, but people never look at it that way because it snows there and they lose all the time. Um, but <laughs> but I, I've never I've never believed in oh yeah the the blue collar crowd. If you make less money per year, then you're gonna cheer like crazy. So I think if you if you pay that much, if I was paying twenty five hundred bucks, I hurts. right yeah just you your voice would sound like you at yeah, the end right. Um, but I, my point just being that. Yeah, around town, it'll be super fun for everyone yeah. if that happens. It'll just be a big, giant purple party, um, and I'll miss Prince really badly because it would have been so cool for him. But uh, in terms of in that stadium, are you impacting Tom Brady's call at the line because there's so many Vikings fans? No, because the CEO from IBM who doesn't care right. is there. It's it. Have you been to a Super Bowl? Is IBM still a thing? Yeah, they're around. Okay. Have uh, you been to a Super Bowl? I have not been to It is a weird, I was lucky enough to be to a couple of them. It is a weird dynamic where people will cheer for, you'll have fans of both teams, but people will cheer good efforts, good plays. Yeah. And that's yeah, it. Just anything. You know, if you, like you said, if you're a, um, all right, so the Vikings big sponsors are all going to get tickets. That's part of the deal. If you sponsored them two years ago when they opened the new building, you, you're going to get into the Super Bowl. Um yeah, they know they're going to the game. They don't care who's playing. They're going. But it, it's a strange um, – the one I remember was the Colts-Bears Super Bowl in in Miami where Devin Hester runs back the kickoff. Uh, place goes nuts. Colts drive back down the length of the field and score. Place goes nuts. We're trying to figure yeah. out, like, yeah. who – no one's rooting for anybody. Everybody just wants, like, 60 to 58 in overtime, and that's all they're cheering for. The closest thing I ever had to that sort of experience was the Bills played a series in uh, Toronto for a while – so they'd go up there and play the Jets or something. Yeah, I remember that. And it would it'd be people be wearing their Falcons jerseys or whatever. Just be like, oh, NFL, we're here, and we're just going to cheer everything because we don't care who wins. And the players would hate it more than anything. Oh, it's like the London games. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, you do not yeah. – I don't know. That was a must have been a Cleveland home game, right? So technically – Yeah. I mean, were more people cheer – did they have a home field advantage when they played in London? No, they didn't. No, but different when it's in – I'm yeah. with you. I, I – I think it's going to be a kind of a cool. It's going to be, if the Vikings happen to make it to the Super Bowl, <laughs> yeah, right? Can't wait. It will be an interesting case study to see case study what a, oh what a local fan base can do with the backyard Super Bowl. It would be a good problem to not a good problem, a, a good uh, experience to have for everybody around here. I'm sure. Matthew Collar, Chris Long in for Mackie and Judd. Let's um. Well, we get a phone call in when we come back here, and then let's talk a little more about. We're gonna uh, do some stuff. Uh, oh yeah, that's right. John I'm sorry, John. Some I stuff. Did, you know what? Usually, if I had forgotten about stuff, Dave Harrigan would yeah. do some sort of violent angry gesture know. over there. Right. Okay. You'd lose John, microphone. Privileges. Jonathan is a much friendlier, <laughs> much calmer producer than Dave. So I forgot about that. All right. Well, what do you got coming up in stuff, Jonathan? I've got a little bit about Dion going back to college, maybe, and a certain Steeler who is no longer a Steeler. All right. We'll be back here. Mackie Judd. Judd. 
In sports, there's a lot of stuff you should simply be aware of. There was stuff going on that no one talked about. That's pretty heavy stuff. Let me show you some stuff. I don't do that stuff no more. This stuff can give you brain damage. And then there's the stuff you should know about. Lots of great stuff. This is the fun stuff. I love this stuff. Good stuff. Man, this stuff's good. This is that kind of stuff. I want to check that stuff out. Mackie and Judd now continues. This is very serious stuff we're talking about here. With stuff you should know about. I want to know. All right, Jonathan, what do you got for us? Okay, well, you mentioned it. Bowl season is in full swing. We had Iowa versus Boston College last night in the Pinstripe Bowl. Very slippery field. Uh, that's not the story here, though. Iowa won, Iowa won due to a late turnover. Did you happen to see the keys to the game at the beginning of the game? Okay, I didn't, but let me just say this. I watched that bowl game, yeah. as you might expect, because yeah. I watch not all surprising. of them. Every one that I could possibly watch, I watch. And here's my favorite part, is I don't care about any of it at all. Not even one little tiny shred. I brought this up to Doogie, and Doogie was like, well, you can scout for the draft. Like, no, I'm not scouting for the draft. What am I going to – oh, yeah, look at the left guard. (laughs) Oh, he's killing it. Draft him, Spielman. No, 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 no. I watch it so I can have the hottest takes ever on these games that don't matter. So at the end of that game, with a minute 40 seconds left, down by a touchdown, Boston College runs the ball, and I'm yelling at the TV – why are you running the ball? You don't have time for this. And then they throw the interception at the end. And th- that's why I had, there is no <laughs> strings attached. I don't have to care about this. I can just yell at the TV or have the hottest opinions ever. And silly, ridiculous things happen. Like last night, the Texas punter was named player of the game. It should have been. And I actually watched that game because it was, was against my alma mater. He was, that was the best game I've ever seen a single punter have. It was outrageous. He anyway. was doing the coffin corner drill. Okay. That's, that's keys not to the game. what you right. wanted to speak keys about. To the game. No. So Sorry, generally Jonathan. the keys to the game are kind of just crap, but these ones were extra <laughs> crap. That's accurate. Run game. Special teams and Nate Stanley versus Darius Wade in passing game. So literally run game, special teams, and passing game. And the two The only thing you forgot was the defense. Wait, that was it? That, that, was, that was the, the keys. That's what they listed someone, as the keys someone, to the game. Someone got paid for that. <laughs> Every single keys to the game graphic is brought to you by something. And some producer is like, all right, just yeah. tell me a couple of things. And I could just, <laughs> like, they don't care about it at all. But it's brought to you about by something. So mm-hmm. it's like, all right, the casino, casino keys to the game, yeah. guys. And they're like, yeah, we're going to spend three hours talking about the keys to the game. But uh, run game. Got to run. If you don't run, then you probably don't win. Back well, to you. The best is when the anytime you get the interview with the coach where you leave that door open and the coach takes it, where you see the interviewer say, coach, what do you have to do to win this game? And the coach takes the bait and says, I think if we score more points than they <laughs> oh, do, yes, yes. we'll be just fine. Yes. Yeah. All right. So we're going to stick with college football here. Deion Sanders was at the Florida State game yesterday. He was pretty coy when asked about <sighs> his chances of returning. You guys don't know about Florida my State. history and feelings with Deion. Okay. I can't stand him. <laughs> I cannot. Go ahead. Well, I, is he a guy that anyone can stand? Well, like, he's I from, mean, I worked in Fort Myers. Yeah. He's from Fort Myers. And you'd think that he would. It's not just Minnesota. Everywhere does this. You play, he's our guy. Mike yeah. Greenwell is a, is a Fort Myers resident. Beloved. Anytime he's in town, we go to his book signing, whatever. He was gracious. He was amazing. He was fantastic. Dion, 
Not at all. No, but isn't that not at all? But isn't that Dion? If you had come in here and told me, you know, Dion, secretly nice guy, I'd be like, oh, really? Dion? I'd be a little disappointed. <laughs> Dion, because, like it's his whole shtick, it's his whole thing. Is he's just kind of like that? Dion got arrested because he had taken a canoe and a buddy onto a pond and was fishing. Okay. Oh, uh, wow. Inside the boundary of Fort Myers International Airport, and oh. was. Why can't I fish here? You're no, in a good. secure that's airport. Great. See, you're making fun of him for these things where I say, yes, anyway, that's right. That's amazing. That's Deion Sanders. So anyway, I have had more than my fill of Dion, but go ahead. So here he was during the game. Now, we're reporting that you're in early discussions about the possibility to come back and join Willie Taggart's staff. What, oh. what can you comment on that? You never know. I've been known to make big plays with these colors on. I've been known to make big plays Would with these colors. Would he make a good coach? On. Sounds like he wants to play. <laughs> yeah, it did. Actually, you know what? I think he. I hate saying this. I think he would make a good coach. Hmm. I, I have no idea. Uh, you think he'd be a good recruiter? In maybe yes. a good recruiter. Nah, yes. nobody knows who he is. Doesn't like, matter. Get him in a living room uh, with a kid. <laughs> I he can don't talk. Know. Yeah. I mean, Deion Sanders would. Imp- if I, at 31 years old, was a college recruit somehow. Uh, and Dion, I'd be like, oh, it's Dion. Let me do the dance right in the end zone. Remember when you hurt yourself doing it? That was hilarious. That was hilarious. And, but I, I think an 18 year old kid is like, oh, you're an old guy that used to play? Like, I don't know. I mean, do great stars always make the uh, best coaches? I'm not certain that no. they do. And what would his dedication to that be like? Because those assistant coaches bust their ass like crazy. Right. Well, he and, loves Florida uh, State. He, but he loves, 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 loves Florida but State. But he's also aloof too, right? I mean, even even when you watch him on NFL Network, it's kind of like, yeah, did you even prepare for this? Or are you just kind of <laughs> just like picking whatever out of the sky and throwing it at the guy, you know? So I, I don't think it's a good idea. What else you got? <laughs> Well, he's, he's just gonna keep ranting on how he doesn't I, like Dion Sanders. I just no, yeah. I was trying I didn't to know this. I, I was trying to stay even. No, I, I think he'd be an okay coach. I think he definitely. I think he'd be a good recruiter. You get him a living room with a kid, and he obviously can talk. But who I would think, be more excited though, the kid or the dad? Oh, the dad. At oh, this yeah. point, no, no question, the dad would. Try Especially to if it's a kid in Florida, possibly <laughs> right. try to push his kid that direction. Oh, yeah. But Dion did so many things that I think no one else can do. I don't think that there are. Other athletes, even like all time, he's an all time athlete. That's true. How'd Wayne Gretzky do as a coach? <laughs> Horribly, right? right. And, and you know, I mean, Larry Bird was okay as, as a head coach, yeah. but, but Mike, there is a degree of why you know, can't you just do right. what I just said mm-hmm. to do? Because I used to be able to do that. Yeah. Well, I'm not one of the 20 greatest players ever. Sorry, not all of us ran a 4 2. Right, right, right. <laughs> right. All right, so we saw all the pictures and all the videos yesterday of James Harrison practicing with the Steelers, and it looks weird to everybody. Patriots, you mean? Yeah, the Patriots. Yeah. yeah. Looks weird to everybody. By the way, James Harrison, great initials if you're asking me. Uh, Instagram to picture. Oh, my gosh. We were, we you're were, su- you're we, suspended we for next segment for we that. We weren't asking you. <laughs> All right. So he, picture, he took a picture and posted it to Instagram. Finally, a teammate older than me. It was with Tom Brady. Ha, ha, ha. That's pretty good. That's funny, he's James trying, Harrison. He's uh, trying to ingratiate himself with his new team. Did he destroy his reputation in uh, Pittsburgh? Like Marquise Pouncey no. claims he did? No, no. I, mean, I don't got, think he did by he's signing. He's got the pick six in well, the Super Bowl. Right. Here's the thing, though. I don't think it's that he I don't think that he left. I mean, they cut him mm-hmm. um, at Christmas, no less. But he asked to be cut from what and it sounds I, like. It sounds like, and it could be he said he said, but it sounds like he wasn't exactly... Protecting his legacy 
the way he'd been acting all year. That when he would get to the stadium and find out he was inactive, he would leave. He'd go home. He was not showing up at meetings. Somebody said, are you worried he's going to be able to give the Patriots some insight on what you're doing? No. And I think the player said, I don't know how he would. I haven't seen him in a meeting for the last six weeks. <laughs> well, that's because he had one job, and it was just to come in 15 times a game and rush the passer. Right. And he's pretty good at it still at his age and might bring the Patriots some of that. But, uh, yeah, I don't know if he's the biggest X's and O's guys anyway. Maybe he is. Maybe I'm Maybe I'm wrong on that. Because Doesn't that, come off as a detail-oriented that, guy. That, but that pick six that he had, supposedly he had seen something on tape. So I, I should take that back. But – I don't think James Harrison qualifies, despite his initials, Jonathan, as a um, I don't think he qualifies as like a legacy guy. Is he what is he? Jerry Rice here? Like he's, he's a good player for a long time. But, right. you know, he went to the Bengals for a little while. This like, was his third good. different stint with Pittsburgh. right? Yeah. So it's not yeah. like this I is mean, the first time. He probably left. a well-liked player, but mm. I don't think you're, I don't think. Oh, by the fan base. Yeah, but yes. no, yeah, I don't know by teammates, yeah. as you saw from the reaction. Yeah. I just mean the fans probably like him, but I don't think anybody is crying in their cereal over him getting cut because of his legacy. Right. I'm trying to think of a Vikings corollary, and there really isn't one or uh, correlation. I don't think there's a guy I can say that's like left and succeeded, but is still kind of. I can't think of one. I mean, only when when we talk about legacy, I think we only talk about the guys who were the absolute greats. Yeah. So you know, if you yeah. were if you were talking about all time Viking greats going somewhere else at the end and having I mean, it end ugly, you know. That, I mean, it didn't really end ugly. I don't think Chris Carter went to Miami for a year. Yeah, that's a perfect example. I mean, I even remember that. And that's how and that's and that's how it generally works out anyway. Yeah. Is that like with Jerry Rice? What did he play for Seattle? Well, Joe Montana yeah. in right. Kansas City. Uh, and yeah. Montana was at least good in in Kansas yes. City. But yeah. you know, anyway, I I don't think he's like a legacy guy. Right. But it is a it, it's a classic Patriots troll move to get somebody else's very player that they dropped. Mm-hmm. Very true. All right, uh, thank that's you, it. Jonathan, for that's it. That's it. <laughs> Fiend. Mike drop. <laughs> that, that, that's it. Sorry, we're out. All right, back to Vikings talk when we come back. Matt and Chris in for Mackie and Judd. Matthew Collar, Chris Long back here on 1500 ESPN in for Mackie and Judd. You know, Todd McShay put out his first mock draft. Are you interested? Not at all, but yes. <laughs> okay, well. Already? Well, I guess, I, you know, just the season. For some teams, that that's really exciting. Uh, for the Minnesota Vikings, he's got them drafting 29th and taking a tackle. Maybe and that's, Maybe uh, that's why I'm not that fired up about it. I won't it. even get into the details of the specific tackle because we will have plenty of time to do that, and I don't think Vikings fans are thinking about the draft at all. But the one thing Todd McShay has that caught my eye is he has Josh Rosen number two, Sam Darnold number one, going to the Cleveland Browns. And Darnold was asked about it, and he said, I'd be honored to play for any team. Where Josh Rosen, there was a report that he does not want to play for the Cleveland Browns. He wants to play for the New York Giants, which based on organizational history, the New York Giants uh, would be far, 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 far ahead of the Cleveland Browns. Though they recently had their own brush with disaster with Ben McAdoo as their head coach, and they just suspended their cornerback first round pick Eli Apple for being a trash bin. And uh, one of their star players called him a cancer in the locker room and all sorts of things like that. So they've had plenty of problems, even going last year with the wide receivers on the boat and all that sort of stuff. And Odell Beckham and how volatile he can be. 
Um, I'm not so sure that it wouldn't be a good situation for a quarterback to go to Cleveland, as ridiculous as it may sound, since they're not going to win a game. I mean, they have an all-time great left tackle. They signed another guard who's very, very good. They have a couple of running backs who can play. They're building up their defense. Their division is not that hard. Uh, yeah. Pittsburgh uh, is Pittsburgh peaking. Is, Pittsburgh it might be fading. Baltimore. Their windows, yep. yeah. Baltimore is scratching and clawing their way to the playoffs in a bad AFC. So, right. yeah, Cincinnati is going to be bad for a long time. Yep. If you can get over the ownership point with Cleveland and the history point with Cleveland, I don't see it as being that big of a difference. If I was Josh Rosen and they said they were going to draft me number one, I wouldn't say, oh, well, Johnny Manziel failed and Brady Quinn failed, so I can't go to your team. I would say, okay, well, I think I've got a pretty good setup here. And we're to the point now at the NFL that you can't really strong arm your way around anymore. I mean, you're going to go where you're going to go, and there's not, you know, you're not going to hold out. That's a. Can you? Not. I mean, can can, can Josh Rosen do that? I mean, it wasn't that long ago that Eli Manning did it. I guess, well, now, now I guess it was. I mean, we're talking about, uh, what, 15 years ago? Mm, yeah. Uh, but it's not. I mean, it's, it's happened a couple of times in history where the quarterback at the top has said, I'm not going to let you draft me, or if you do, I'm not going to play. And uh, I don't know how good of a baseball player Josh Rosen is, so I don't think he's going to pull the L pull way. The L way. Uh, but I think if you don't want to play for that team, you could say, yeah, I'm just going to hold out. I'm just going to wait until you trade me. And it worked for, remember when Carson Palmer said he wasn't going to play for the Bengals anymore? Eventually they traded him and they got a, a big return. So I think if he says that he doesn't want to play for them, then they probably would have to not draft him or pick him and, and trade him. I just think that with... And we have this all the time with Minnesota sports. Oh, we could just never win because we're just bad. Well, the Wolves are good now. And they were the biggest disaster in the NBA for how long? The Houston Astros were a disaster four years ago. And look at what they did this year. I, I, Cleveland might be the one. <laughs> Cleveland in football and, and well, I was going to say the Marlins in baseball, but we forget that the Marlins, as bad as they are and they're blowing things up, still have won two World Series that most, almost every franchise, not almost every, the majority of franchises would kill to have that sort of situation. But I think I think Adam Schefter was on um, this morning with the, on the mothership earlier today. I don't remember who was filling in for Golick and Wingo, but... Uh, he was making the same argument. If given a choice which team he, he would go to right now, he would select Cleveland for all of those same reasons, is that the hole that the Giants in are, is so much bigger. Um, Dallas is going to be Dallas. Washington is never great, but they're never terrible. Uh, the Eagles are set now with Carson Wentz for the next 10 years. That's going to be a much harder turnaround than, than Cleveland. Now, we've been saying that about Cleveland for one was Biner. You know, you know what they've never done, 85? though? What they've never done since Tim Couch is draft the best quarterback. I mean, that that's the biggest problem for them is that they would either win enough games, five, six, <laughs> to where they couldn't draft first, so then they end up taking – or they would have multiple first-round picks and they use the second one on the Brady Quinn or the Brandon Whedon or the Johnny Manziel. And when you're drafting the second, third, fourth quarterback on the board – That's a crap too. Yeah. You, you, you're reducing your odds. You're cutting them way, way down. And this time they'll actually have a chance to draft the top. With, with the Giants, yeah, I think you could make an argument either way. I think you could say, well, you know, their defense is still pretty good. 
but they don't have an offensive line at all. And that's I think Eli can still play, but that is murdered Eli. They have no running game, no offensive line. They would have to pull a Vikings-like pick with uh, yeah. turnaround in, in the uh, offseason in order to get that much better and in order for a rookie quarterback to want to go there. Uh, Chris Long, Matthew Collar, talking a little uh, everything today. Lots of Wolves, lots of uh, Vikings football. Let's get back to Jimmy Butler and what he did. I don't want to I don't want to lose sight of the greatness of Jimmy Butler from last night. So let's get back into that. And if you've got a thought on what a successful season is for the Minnesota Timberwolves, 651-646-8255. Chime in. Matt and Chris in for Mackie and Judd.